Welcome to a new Shenmue Dojo interview. It's been quite a while since I've had the opportunity to do one, but um, I'm glad to be coming back with a really, really, really important and good guest here. I'm really pleased to have him on the show. So this person um, started out in his career working at um, Cartoon Network and Adult Swim as a senior writer, worked his way up while co-creating the Toonami block over 25 years ago on in the United States and also 20-odd years ago for the United Kingdom. Um, as he's worked through the ranks, he is now uh, Senior Vice President of Anime and Action for Warner Brothers. Uh, but more and more importantly, um, he's probably one of the key components in getting Shenmue the Animation greenlit and onto our screens for us to enjoy. Today, guys, I present to you the executive producer of Shenmue the Animation, Jason DeMarco. So, Jason, um, welcome to the dojo. I've been trying to get you on for quite a while, but I'm glad to have you. How's it going? Good. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry that it took me so long to uh, to get on. No, I appreciate you. You're an exceptionally busy man and, and giving me a, a, the time of day to, to allow me to interview you. I absolutely appreciate it. So thank you. Um, first and foremost, uh, before we dive into the Shenmue talk, um, can you tell us a tiny bit about your career and sort of how you ended up as to where you are now? Sure. I uh, I graduated from college in 1996 and moved to Atlanta, Georgia. And my friend who I had met in college, Sean Akins, mm-hmm. uh, was hired by Cartoon Network to start a kids action block of cartoons. And he got me a job at TNT. And while yeah. I worked at that network making promos, I simultaneously helped him develop and create the Toonami block. Uh, after a couple of years, I moved over to Cartoon Network and started working full time on Toonami and then eventually helped launch Adult Swim and was involved with both Cartoon Network and Adult Swim for a number of years. And in the last about 10 years, I've been pretty much entirely doing Adult Swim. I ran Adult Swim on air for a number of years, did all of their music programs and also ran Toonami. And now my current job, a couple of years ago, I moved over to, uh, I'm now the head of action and anime development for Warner Media, which uh, is now Warner Discovery. <laughs> uh, and that would include HBO Max, uh, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, etc. Um, so that's what I'm doing now. Wow, that's a, that's a massive breadth of content you're responsible for. How do you balance all of that? Uh, I, it's actually not that hard for me because I really love my job and I am a media oriented person. So like, it's my hobby as well as my work. So I'm kind of always thinking about stories and storytelling and things like that. So it's sort of, um, if it wasn't a joy to work on, I don't think I could do it because it demands so much of my time, but I do love doing it and I love working with creators and I love um, supporting creative people. Um, I feel people like directors and and animators and visual artists and musicians are very brave people. I don't think the world is really designed to 
our capitalist society isn't really designed to allow people to believe that anyone can be an artist and that art is worth doing on its own. And yeah. I love the idea of being somebody who can support people I look up to uh, and admire to do their work, because I think that art makes life worth living and supporting art is a noble thing to do. So. Awesome. That's, I, I love that. And as you say, you're giving people a platform, which is, is amazing. And I, I summed this up. I remember being a child running home from school to watch Toonami in the UK. So oh, drag, nice. drag, Dragon Ball Z. I used to come home from school, do the paper round, Dragon Ball Z. That was my, <laughs> that was my afternoon sorted. So that's, man, that's so cool. Right. So we're moving to Shenmue, obviously. Um, yeah. I believe you played the games already, haven't you? I did. I played. I played um, the original title. I, so I, I ha, I've been a, a gamer for many, many years, yeah. um, and um, never really. I had a brief period in college where I really couldn't afford to game, but other than that, I've never not game. And uh, I had a Dreamcast day one when it came out, and I remember the hype for Shenmue for the original game was pretty big because it yeah. was really one of the first if not the first sort of open world simulation games that really it felt there was nothing else like it at the time and there was a lot of hype so i played the original loved it i played the sequel loved it and then i like many other people was waiting and waiting for the next game because i knew there was much more story to be told and i'm one of the people who donated to the Kickstarter for the, for the third oh, game. And, um, so yeah, I had been uh, a fan since the games came out. Awesome. So from going from being a fan to then obviously anime, what jumped out at you about Shenmue's story that you thought actually this might translate into anime, translate onto television? Well, I think so. So the, the way this, the way that it came together, which I think this leads into that. So I'll yeah. just take yeah. it back. So the way that this came together was uh, essentially a person I work with in Japan a lot um, came to me because he had uh, access to a bunch of games that Sega, a bunch of game titles that were Sega IP yeah. that they weren't doing anything with. Yeah. were available to be licensed to turn into an adaptation, right? Mm -hmm. Among those titles were things like Space Harrier, like really old games. Uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga was one. Oh, really? Yeah. And Shenmue was on that list as well. And of the list that he gave me, Panzer Dragoon Saga was actually my first choice. I was like, that would make an amazing anime. But um, for various reasons, those rights weren't as available as they thought they were. So I don't know what's happening with that, but eventually someday someone may turn that into an anime. So the next one on my list, I said, well, you know, I think Shenmue would be a really interesting anime because A, I know there's way more story to tell so that if we did adapt the games and, and they did well, we could probably talk to Suzuki and find out the rest of the story. And maybe we can finish the story if it's not going to be finished in games. And B... I just like the idea that it's a set in the past. It's a it's it's a period piece. Yeah. And I thought, man, it would be really cool to redo Shenmue for TV as almost like an 80s Jackie Chan movie, you know, where yeah. it's there's more action because it's a TV show and you can't have these long stretches of nothing happening, you know. Um <laughs> 
And we could, you know, if you compress, you'd have to compress it a little bit, which I, I know yeah. some people didn't like and some people did. But you could make it into sort of, I was just thinking about turning it into an 80s Hong Kong action movie about a really earnest, straightforward hero who's trying to avenge the death of his father and figure out why it happened. And I just felt like, man, and you could, you know, originally I said, well, we should license 80s songs, like 80s Japanese pop that should be playing on the radio. We couldn't end up affording any of that. But <laughs> um, but that was kind of the genesis of it, was just looking at that list and me just thinking, I think this is a this is a really well thought out world. It's got a really cool story. And it's got enough bones to make a good action TV show without it feeling like we're going too far from the source material. Yeah. Like if you were adapting something like Space Harrier, that's such an old game. It's really just like a cool image. Mm. And you have to kind of, everything else you're kind of starting from scratch. Yeah. Um, it's more like an idea of a, of a thing than a thing. And what I liked about Shenmue was it was a fully realized story and world and characters. And so then I knew when we adapted it, if we stayed true to who those characters were, that we would be in a good spot. And I also felt that um, it had been so long since I know the third game had come out, but it had been so long since Shenmue was really the younger generation had engaged with it. I thought yeah. we could reintroduce Shenmue. And people who had never played the games, maybe they would think, wow, this is really cool and play the games. And we could sort of remind people that before the Yakuza games yeah. and before all these open world simulators, there was Shenmue, you know. Um, so that's kind of where it all, how it all started. Wow, that's a really awesome story to hear. Um I'll be interested to see what happens to that Panzer Dragoon one as well, actually. Me too. I, I have no idea anything about it now, but, um, you know, if anyone ever comes back to me, it's definitely something I would be interested in. Um, awesome. awesome. So with, with Shenmue, obviously, say the rights were available from Sega. I presume they said, yep, all right, we go ahead and do this. Um, when did you approach uh, Yu Suzuki about, about the anime and the whole idea of it? So actually what happened was the way the way the process went was we that we met with Sega, had several dinners and meetings and stuff, Japanese style. It took a while. Made sure we were on the same page about what we might want out of an adaptation and how it might work business wise. Yeah. What rights Sega would keep, what what rights we as the people making the show would want. Once we sort of agreed, they approached Suzuki and said, Would you be okay with us? adapting you know the games into a series and he was at first very he was he was interested but he was also like eh. but once we brought on the creative team and he met with the director and the writers he was like from that point on i think he felt much more comfortable and he was very involved from the big really from the first script on you know and then he left them alone for a while, and then he would come back sort of towards the back end of the process and say, this shot's not right, it needs to be redone, this shot, you know, he he was very involved, um, more than I thought he would be, to be honest. So that's how he came in, and, and so once we had him on board, then I went to Crunchyroll, because that was when Crunchyroll was still part of my company. Yes, and of course. Our, and the idea was we were supposed to be trying to 
you know, come up with co-productions with our sister company and save money and benefit both parties. So they actually weren't too keen on it. They were like, this is an old game. We don't know how many people are going to be interested. And in a weird way, I kind of had to bully them into taking it. <laughs> like they, they really didn't want to, and it resulted in a lot of sort of backroom uh, negotiating and stuff. And, and really, it by the skin of its teeth, it got greenlit, basically because I threw a fit and, and said, <laughs> we have to make it, you know. <laughs> and um, so green, so then Crunchyroll came in and as equal partners. Um, and we, at that point, knew we were probably going to want to work with telecom animation. Yeah. Um, and telecom brought in the, the team and we were remarkably after that, it was after the initial rough patch of like getting it greenlit from there on, it was actually fairly smooth sailing in the production itself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's how it kind of all kicked off was just the series of conversations between all of our different companies. And then there was a, at least a year I'm talking about four years ago now of like, um, back and forth legal ramblings and everyone arguing about what rights, who wanted what. And it was always very difficult to make the deals with so many people involved and so many interests um, and how to have Suzuki on board. And like, you know, it, it's just complicated making an international deal like that. So it just took a long time. Yeah. I can, I can imagine with all the partners involved and when was the final green light given? Uh, I would say probably, I mean, it had to be probably three years to the day almost from when the series aired. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, the average production cycle for an anime these days is three years. Um, there are some that are done uh, faster than that, but I'm just, the majority are about a three-year turnaround from like the day you start having a crew to the time it comes out. So it was about three years. Wow, that's a, quite a long. I didn't realize it took that long for anime. Mm. But I, I'm a complete novice in this field. In fairness, sure. that's, that's awesome. It's, it's just because there's a glut in the market. There are so many people. There are so many anime titles being produced, and not that many studios in Japan. Um, so there's just a huge backup of years for any studio that's any good. Yeah, I can imagine actually, and Telecom did a really good job with that actually. But we'll we'll talk about them in in a minute. So, you've got the green green light productions underway at last after all the legal wranglings and everything in between. Um, you've sort of touched on how hands on Yuzuki was, which is awesome. What sort of source material were you given? Obviously, you had the video games themselves. What other source material did you use in in creating the episodes? Well, believe it or not, the game was so old that they that we really didn't have a lot of resources from the game other than the game itself like yeah. you could play the game but as far as what they used to build the game the models and stuff like that we had no access to any of that we did have some of the original sketches and designs yeah from back in the day and we did have the i don't i, I think they had the access to the original script so it was really a matter of the team taking all of that material and just really they they all really wanted to be careful about adapting it and doing a really good job about making um the 
international and anime audience happy. So in other words, making sure there's action scenes and it's moving mm-hmm. along at a good pace and feels like a good TV show, yeah. but also making Shenmue fans happy and making Suzuki happy. So, you know, not losing, not changing too much to where the characters don't feel like they felt in the game or, you know, the, the plot cha- deviates too far. And they were really dedicated about it. And I mean, honestly, once they got all the materials and had enough meetings with Suzuki, I think they just knew what they were doing from then on. And it was one of the smoothest productions I've worked on. Really? There wasn't a lot of arguing. I mean, all the arguing happened up front. And then after that, it was, you know, everybody kind of understood where, you know, what they wanted to do. Uh, Once we got the composer on board, everybody knew what they wanted from him. The director was super easy to work with. He's a terrific guy, and he very much wanted to make sure Suzuki was happy. And Suzuki was great about not not coming in and trying to direct it himself, because he knew that's not what he does, but just making sure that it stayed true to what the work he had done before. You know, and I think it, it was a good marriage of a team of professionals who were willing to let somebody else's vision shine and a great creator who has every reason to have a big ego that was really cool about letting people interpret their work. Um, So yeah, uh, they didn't have a lot of materials, but they had Suzuki's brain, which is the single biggest, you know, advantage. So Definitely. And sort of talking about some of the source material, obviously there was things put into the anime that weren't in the games. I'll reference the karate tournament, which in Shenmue folklore has been talked about for years and years. We knew it was in the original scripts and then it's obviously been put to the anime. How were those sort of decisions come to in, in terms of what they wanted to add into the anime, but also the things that they wanted to change up and take out so it almost stood on its own two feet away from the games? that those kinds of decisions were entirely driven by the director and the writers and them deciding what they wanted and then taking it to Sega and Sega clearing it with Suzuki. Yeah. I and our Crunchyroll co-producer pretty much stayed out of the way of all of that stuff and just let them work it out because we didn't want too many cooks in the kitchen, you know. Yeah, of course. Um, but they were pretty much all driven by particularly the the, the lead writers and just them coming up with ways that they, you know, thought the episodes could be better and going to Suzuki and saying, would you mind if we did this? And him saying, well, how about we try this? You know, they have weekly writers meetings, which is common for any show, obviously. Um, And they would send us scripts for approvals and we would have questions and comments. But for the most part, it was fairly clear early on to me that they knew exactly what they were doing and that, that I didn't need to, you know, some shows you kind of need to make sure you're really understanding what the script is about and asking lots of questions and making sure like, is this what you really want to happen? And where is this plot line leading? Cause I don't understand, you know, for this one, it was obvious from the beginning, like, okay, the train is really, on the track where, you know, we're definitely going in one direction and everything is making sense. And then I just kind of backed off on my end. And what they needed from me was, you know, time and <laughs> approvals from the network and Crunchyroll and people just staying out of their hair, you know. Um, that's kind of what, that's kind of was my job was to like, to leave them alone. <laughs> so... 
That's a nice uh, job to have in fairness. Well, they, made it, they made it easy, you know, they made it easy. Um, and, it, and it's the it's the easy part of adapting something that, that you know, there's a lot of challenges when you adapt um, something into a different form. Mm-hmm. But it, you do gain some advantages, which is, for example, we knew who these characters were. We knew the journey they were going to go on before we even started writing one word down. We all knew that. We knew who they were going to look like. We knew the feel we wanted. Like we had a lot of advantages that a lot of shows don't have if you're starting from scratch. Yeah, of course. Um, you know. Cause that, yeah, because all that source material is essentially there. It's you know, The games are there. They've been there for 20 years. So you've got... Right you've got a pathway to go on. And that includes Shenmue 3, actually. And Yeah, exactly. And that, that, that was part of our calculation was, here's all the story we have, and we have enough money for one season yeah. <laughs> at the moment. So what kind of story do we want to tell in that one season? Do yeah. we want to try to... The biggest question at the beginning was, do we make one season, the whole, the, the whole first season, the first game? Yeah. Or do we combine games one and two? And it was there were people in either camp, but it was pretty quickly decided. I have to say that we were like, "There's not really enough story for 13 episodes of." If you just did the first game, you'd have to do every little interaction, and there'd have to be a lot of downtime and a lot yeah. of just dead space. But yet, a lot happens in the second game, yes. story wise. Yeah, it does. So it was sort of like an awkward, like what we would have wanted was really like a 14 episode first season to do it exactly. But we only had the money for what we had. So we just decided to, you know, put the first two games in the first season of the show. Yeah. And then, you know, if any, if we go forward, we'll, we'll have the first half of the next season is going to be the third game. And maybe Suzuki would (laughs) tell us what the rest of the story was. (laughs) (laughs) But he's got the scripts lying around somewhere. Yeah, he's got well, he's got a lot of ideas. I don't know how fleshed out it all is, to be honest. I have no idea. But I know that he knows generally where the story is going to go. And we asked him ahead of time if we did make a show and we got to the point where we were getting ahead of what he was what he had done in the games. Would he be able to guide us? And he said he would. So. Yeah, and actually that sort of corroborates what I've been told from interviewing people who made Shenmue 3. Um, Ryan Payton, who he was heavily involved in the Kickstarter. I don't know if you, if you remember him back from the Kickstarter, but he was saying, yeah. I interviewed him got two years ago, I think. And he was saying, actually, Rio, Rio's journey is mapped out all the way to the mm. end. It's all the, the B characters, the C characters that are fleshed out as the games are developed. That's right. when that's put in. So as you say, the broad outline is there for it to, in theory, be finished through through anime yeah. if if it had to go that way. I mean, don't get me wrong, I want a fourth game, but I would happily sure. take an anime because I think the anime um, surprised a lot of people, actually. But we'll, we'll talk about that. I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And one of the things of the anime, I'm going to sort of move things on a tiny bit, is the soundtrack. Mm. That soundtrack is phenomenal. It, it's amazing. I really, really love it. Obviously, the original games have quite an iconic soundtrack themselves mm. was it a sort of conscious decision to go look at the original soundtrack and go right we need to move away from this a little bit reimagine some of the classic tracks to allow the anime to stand on its own two feet it it was it was i mean so part of it was right because believe it or not we couldn't just access all those tracks there's a complicated web of rights issues when it comes to music in and anime in japan and 
it became clear pretty early on that we we couldn't have access to all those tracks number one number two they served a different purpose in the game than they would serve in the anime yeah in the game a lot of the music ends up being not ambient in terms of it sounds like ambient music but ambient in terms of you'll be playing an hour of doing you know rio at work (laughs) and there's music playing but you're not thinking about that music it's sort of background music and that's different from how music is used in most anime where it's clearly used to set an emotional undercurrent or drive action, or there's just very different reasons to use music in these two mediums. So it became clear that, yeah, let's find a composer. We, that the director and Suzuki feel really good about who can bring this sort of forward. So it doesn't feel too much like an old school anime. Yeah. And also maybe reflect some of the themes from the original games, but in a way that feels modernized. Because if it if it's too close to the games, you run into a problem where people who are huge fans of the game are just going to say, well, this is just the game, but worse, because I'm not playing it. And people who never played the games are like, why does this feel like a 20-year-old video game? You know? yeah, <laughs> so it's yeah. like... So they had to thread that needle, and I think they did a, a, a really good job. But yeah, they th- that was sort of the genesis of it, was sort of looking at the music in the games and saying, A, can we use it? B, do we want to? And yeah. then what's the sort of gray area there? And Suzuki had very firm opinions himself about, you know, he really wanted some of the themes from the games to be reflected in the anime, but he agreed they needed to be updated and changed. Um, and he had a specific list of like, th- I want this one, I want this one, I want this one, you know. And they took those to the composer. So there was a whole process too. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Back to hear. and forth. Yeah, yeah, and the soundtrack, like I said, I, I love it. It's phenomenal. And they've just, I've just pre ordered it actually. Cause it, I think they announced the pre orders for it just yeah. this week in Japan. I don't know if it's coming internationally yet, though. They haven't said anything. I don't either. That, that thought, so Sega owns any anything, any product around Shenmue is totally Sega. Yeah, of course. And they don't share any of that with us. So, like, I didn't even know when they were releasing, like, you know, the the, the statue of Rio, you know. That yeah, they yeah, out. yeah. I had to buy that myself because I was like, <laughs> I didn't even know about it, you know. So, for Sega, this is just one, this is, we, we are just one one uh hub on a wheel of Shenmue stuff that they're doing you know I guess yeah that makes that makes sense hopefully they do an international release I'd be mad not to yeah in my my book because I mean we'll talk about its reaction in a bit but West over in America and certainly in the UK from what I've seen it it was received really really well it'd be mad in my book yeah I I agree but there there we are so Obviously, you've been working on this anime for a little while. It comes to September 2020, um, and the reveals made at Crunchyroll Expo, although there was the odd leak on the internet from yeah. various um, Twitter people. I don't, can't remember yeah. who they were now, but I remember seeing them and having to speak to the people on people on the inside. I'm going, is there anything behind this? Because <laughs> we need to get ready, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did the reaction to it, when it obviously got announced, surprise you? that everyone was absolutely hyped for this thing. I, I, I knew that, um, I knew that Shenmue fans were really, really passionate. One of the reasons I felt like the show was worth making was because I knew that even though these games were old, that 
I knew the story of the Kickstarter at the time being the biggest Kickstarter for a game ever until that time. I mean, I knew all the stories, but I also knew that the fans of the game were really passionate. I also knew that the Yakuza games were really big and that the reason those exist is because of the Shenmue games. And I thought there's a through line there. There's these, there's this fan base who really loves it and they'll talk about it. And if we get it right, they'll tell people it's a show worth watching. There's also that this show will relate maybe to people who love Yakuza games and stuff like that. And so I wasn't surprised that there was an outpouring because I knew, I knew Shenmue fans would be super psyched. Yeah. Um, and I also wasn't surprised at the other people because there were plenty of people who were like, why? Game's 20 years old. Why make a show now, bro? Why? You know, <laughs> that's like yeah. every anime that's announced, somebody's going to be like, why? Why? What do you care? So, like, I wasn't surprised by either of those reactions, to be honest. But I was glad that people seemed excited and not like, you know, a lot of times when you announce you're adapting something, you get people that can be really pissed off. You know, I have a lot of experience with that, having done Fooly Cooly and Blade Runner adaptations. Yeah, of course. Uh, original fans of a thing can really be worried you're going to blow it, you know. Yeah. And so a lot of time, and it, we're all kind of exhausted with, you know, in the modern era, producers are more and more having to turn to existing IP because we mm-hmm. are there's so much content that the only way you're going to make a dent in sometimes is by by making something based off of existing IP that already has fans. It's just a fact of the world we live in. But I understand why audiences are exhausted with that because it's like every little thing from our childhoods ever is being turned into some multiverse story or some, you know, and you're just, I totally understand that consumer exhaustion and cynicism, like this shit again, like I get it. Um, But I also believe that a really good adaptation or a really good reimagining can find new things in an IP that weren't there before and retranslate it for a younger audience and just continue the the thread of thinking that the original game started or the original story started. So um, I was gratified. um, And I also wasn't too surprised. I knew people would be psyched because I was psyched. I'm a Shenmue fan. I'm not a Shenmue fan on your level, but I'm a Shenmue fan, you know. And I knew if it was a good idea to me that there must be some other people that would agree with me. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. I mean, it was from left field because no, none of us saw it coming. Like yeah. when the leaks came out, we were all like, "You what?" <laughs> <laughs> it, honestly, because we never expected it. It it was almost on a Shenmue three level of this is completely out of nowhere. Yeah. But the more it sort of sat with us, and originally it went from making an anime what's going to happen to the games and then it all sort of sat, but yeah, people settled down with it and thought about it and thought actually do you know what this this is a really good idea and yeah. when you, you guys announced it at crunchyroll expo um well the community were buzzing our forums went down <laughs> so <laughs> i says it all <laughs> i didn't know that that's awesome so yeah it, it was really well received and then obviously the next time we saw it was just over a year onwards at nyc comic-con um we got the first trailer and um, mm. I didn't realize it was Natalie Real's audition. <laughs> She'd read yeah. the prophecy. She told me that which yeah. I still find really funny. Yeah. Um, was that a deliberate thing to sort of announce it, announce it and then sort of 
leave like, leave the carrot almost out of reach and go, we are doing it. We are here. We haven't forgotten about you, but you just have to wait and build that ante- anticipation up. Yeah, I mean, the way, so you'll often find anime announced that way nowadays where there's an initial announcement with some art usually and yeah. you say who the creative crew is and here's who's working on it. You'll see it in a couple of years. Bye-bye. You know. Yeah. And then usually you won't see anything again until there's something moving, some moving images to show. Because honestly, it's just too hard to get people to understand what you're doing if you can't really show the the work in a finished enough state. Yeah. I've found that people who don't work in animation, they just don't, they, they literally don't get it. They're just like, that doesn't look finished. That looks awful. You know, and you, you can't really, you're not there to say, no, 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 that's going to be, you know, yeah, so yeah. what you do is you just go dark and you just wait until you have something cool to show. And for us, New York comic-con was a great opportunity because we knew Adult Swim would be there doing stuff. And they said, do you have anything you could do here in this slot? And it was right around when the footage was coming in and starting to look really good. And so we said, I think we have enough to throw together a cool teaser, but let's talk to, let's talk to telecom and see if they could finish a couple shots. And yeah, you know, we don't have any English dialogue. Could we get somebody to to read maybe this section in English? And so that's how it kind of all came together because we knew we had that platform of New York Comic-Con and there's always a lot of press there. We thought, well, that's a good place to do something because it'll get picked up by people who aren't anime press, who aren't gaming press. It'll get picked up by general entertainment press and just get more news out there about it. And so we kind of rushed to make that piece just so it was ready for that. Wow. Yeah, and yeah. being Natalie's audition as well, that, that sort of symbolises that. I it mean, was again, great, yeah. It was brilliant, and the reaction to it, I mean, we we streamed it, the, the Comic-Con section, we were streaming it, and the place just went off. That's the only yeah. way I can describe it. The whole, this, this wave of positivity around it, the anticipation, yeah. hearing that prophecy with the boat and everything going on i don't know that's when for us certainly for me as, as a shenmue fan i thought hello these, these guys mean business here this <laughs> this has the potential to really sort of knock it out of the park and i think yeah it, I, think I mean it, it showed it yeah just i do think it helped people feel better that we weren't going to try to make this something it's not you know that it was going to even though it was adapting it into a different medium that it was still going to feel like shenmue the Shenmue that people loved, the fans of the game loved. And that was the entire goal for that first teaser was just to make people's, put people's minds at ease and just say, you're in good hands. We're not going to muck it up. We're not going to, you know, change things to the point where it's unrecognizable. So, and I think it did that. It let people know, oh, okay. So you can get a sense of like what this is going to be. And it it's definitely succeeded in doing that. So if you don't mind my asking, did you have a concrete release date for it at that point? No, we didn't. I mean, so concrete releases with anime are almost never real. They, they yeah. <laughs> Because anime, without going into too much detail, it's, it's, um, it's a somewhat chaotic medium. There's a lot of crunch in anime that mm. not that I'm saying there should be. There's a lot of, last minute fixing and tweaking of things. There's a lot of pushing of deadlines. Deadlines are very fungible in anime. Yeah. So you're getting a rough idea of when you think you're going to get stuff, but it's not until three or four months before that you start really, you know, maybe five months if you're lucky, you know, okay, this is when this comes in. This is when this comes in, you know, 
up until that point, it's all just flexible. So we did not know for sure. We had a general idea, but that's it. That's awesome to hear and interesting. Because obviously then we came into January. I can't remember the date, but I remember it was all quiet in the Shenmue world. And then boom, um, teaser trailer number two comes out. Mm. And then we get a, re- a release date of February. Yeah. Again, all out of left field again. But it was... I know. The, I, I thought the marketing and the way this thing was put across before it aired was was perfect. You showed things at the right time. It felt mm. right. You showed quality product at the right time, and yeah. I think it it paid into that buzz that went around yeah. the anime and fed into its eventual success. In my mind, yeah, I think it did. I mean, I think you know that's the benefit of. Um... You know, there's one thing old school TV networks with our weekly drops of episodes do well, which is market our shows and let the let the hype around a show and the audience grow slowly from the marketing to the actual rollout of the episodes. What streaming does really well is a big splash in a very short amount of time, getting everybody to talk about something for a week and then you never talk about it again. And I think what linear television does well is the slow build that has a long tail and it's yeah. just two different approaches. It, it worked beautifully. So we come into the thing airing, uh, February turns up, anticipation is really, really high. That first episode airs, the community are absolutely on cloud nine because that, that set the bar in my head. I remember mm. watching thinking we're in for a hell of a ride here. 13 mm. episodes of this is going to, it's going to age me in a good way. sort of thing. <laughs> um, as it aired, obviously, I think sort of within the community, we could see it was being successful. Mm. It was pulling viewers on on Adult Swim quite well, from what we could see from the from America at least. Yeah. Um, have you had any word from other partners as to how it's performed? So, uh, Adult Swim was super happy with the performance. Yeah, we think it actually performed better than most of our other originals in terms of the anime originals. Yeah. Um, they were thrilled. Uh, the research came back and was great. You know, it was a diverse audience watching it. It was a young audience watching it. It was being well talked about on all socials. It was well reviewed. It wasn't a hit, but it was, it was, it did really well. So it was like, you know, so for us, there was almost no question. Okay. We want to talk about making another season. Yeah. For Crunchyroll, things got complicated because Crunchyroll in that time got bought by Sony mm-hmm. and merged with Funimation. Yeah. And from that point on, we have not had a great relationship with Crunchyroll because we are now their competition. So when we talk to them about things like, hey, can we see the analytics for Shenmue? They have not shared them. Or like, hey, can we talk about renewing Shenmue for a second season? They don't want to do a second season. Um, however, that doesn't mean we won't do a second season because we like it enough to investigate the possibility of paying for a second season ourselves. Yeah. And where we're at with that, I can't talk much about it, but where we're at with that is my company was just bought by Discovery. Yeah. And right now, we are not talking about any show renewals or green lights across the board because right now our company is busy integrating itself into discovery and they are looking at where they want to cut prices 
where they want to save things, who and there's going to be layoffs. So it's too much of a, they're not talking about any renewals for anything right now. So we're basically in a waiting place of waiting. Yeah. What we're doing, what I'm going to do, so you guys know, Shenmue fans know, is my plan is to wait until the dust settles. And hopefully, uh, if we are allowed to then go back out and spend money, C would be sitting back down with all parties inside my company and saying, okay, let's bring back up Shenmue season two. And I'm sure discovery, which I don't know this yet, will have their own metrics by which something is decided upon renewal or not. You know, we don't know what those are yet in full disclosure. So hopefully whatever metrics they bring to the table, we can talk about. And my goal would be for a second season of the show to be produced. Now, I don't know how long it's going to be till I can get that kind of an answer. And I don't know if I'll even get an answer. I just don't know. But um, we want to is all I can say. Yeah. So it's <laughs> not ruled... as good as it can get. Yeah, it's not ruled in or out at this point. And that's that's understandable as, as business transactions go on, isn't it? It's a bit of, a, as you say, it's a waiting game, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, if the show wasn't caught between different companies getting merged and pulled apart and pushed back together like it was... I'm fairly certain it would be greenlit now for a second season, but because of where the show fell in all of these larger business transactions, it's just sort of, it's unfortunate because, but it's certainly not because the show didn't do well. The show did well and we, we were happy with it and want, and adult swim is, is interested in the possibility of making more and so is suzuki and so is sega and so is telecom so you know um fingers crossed everything (laughs) crossed and i mean you've probably seen the community jumping up and down on social media about it is that's pretty much what we need to be doing isn't it and and making that message known to everybody yeah i mean it's and and not me because i already know but yes i mean you know the it's just funny. It's so Shenmue too to me. It's like we got <laughs> yeah. not a serious twenty minutes, twenty years later, which very few games ever get. But then, of course, the series gets caught up in all this merger stuff, and now its future is uncertain too. It's like it's so Shenmue for this to happen this way. <laughs> yeah, it's bloody typical, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we we waited twenty years for a third game. We're a patient bunch. <laughs> if anything but it's great to hear that actually from the metrics you've got i mean it's doing its rerun now and it's still holding really good numbers i was yeah, genuinely surprised we were we were pleasantly surprised by how it did for sure we thought well, honestly we thought it would be the one of the so we we did three originals within about a a, a little over a year period and we thought shenmue was the one that would do like the worst of the three. Yeah. We thought, you know, we were still hoping it would do well, but we thought when we look at these three, we feel like this is the one that we're not sure about. And actually that's the one that did the best. So, you know, I think think that's a credit to Shenmue fans and their passion, but I also think it's a credit to the work that the, you know, that Telecom did and that Suzuki did to make sure the adaptation works for an audience who's never played the games. Yeah, you know? and, and I think it's quality shows. I really do. Yes, I know, like you said earlier, you'd have preferred an extra episode just to round things off because it, it ended very quickly. I know yeah. that was one thing that came out. But I mean, I don't 
I wouldn't want to be making those decisions to condense two games into 13 episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to be making those calls. So I, mean, yeah. I think that you guys, the whole team, did an absolutely stellar job. So from me and the community, thank you so much. Because well, it's every week, it, it was the highlight of my weekend, just watching that, we um, streaming, talking about it. It was amazing. And the buzz around it, I mean, it speaks for itself. And like you say, it's reviewed well. It's been watched by a lot of people. The metrics are good. So it's done everything in its power to it go, give us that second season. Yeah, I mean, no matter what happens with the show's future, it it's not going to be anything to do with the fact that the show didn't do well or was not what we wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, you know, so I feel good about that. I mean, when you make television shows, you have to sort of know, you just never know if you're going to get more and you just sort of do your best with what you've got. And so regardless of what happens with the future, it does feel good to know that we at least got the season we've done. We got it right in the eyes of the people who are the most passionate about this property and in the eyes of the creator, you know, and you really can't ask for more than that. No, you, you can't. And speaking a little bit about the future, you, you touched on this earlier. Obviously, if you've got a second season, you want to do, you said about half a season for the third game. Now, the third game, for want of a better expression, does have some criticism around its story content. Yes. For you guys, does that come look at you look at that and go, actually, for us, this is a blank canvas. We can expand upon this and, and fill those gaps in. Well, I do think that, you know, so it's a tricky area because, I, I you know, we don't yet know because we didn't have to deal with this. It sort of depends on how much Suzuki is OK with us changing it. You know, mm. I mean, so I think our writers definitely are going to feel that way or going to feel like, well, why don't we tweak some of these things we know didn't work quite as well? Yeah. But Suzuki might go, what do you mean? It works great. Don't touch it. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, well, you can't. Yeah, you know, of course. You can't. So it's going to depend. It would depend on Suzuki's willingness to be collaborative. But he's been so great about being collaborative up until now. I feel like he probably recognizes himself some things that he felt didn't work. They might even be different from what the audience feels didn't work, but believe it or not in tweaking the things he might think didn't work, he might actually fix the problems other people think don't work, you know, cause it's yeah. such a complicated. So it would be, there would be some amount of that for sure. Um, because these writers know the games really well. And I'm sure they have their own opinions about, well, this doesn't really work and this works great. And we'd love to expand this and contract that. And I mean, that's going to be something that would be top of mind. And really, if the show was greenlit, that would be the first thing to do would be to sit down and start figuring out, okay, how do we break this story out into half a season of television and how does it flow? And okay, what do we have to lose and what do we yeah. expand on? And it would, it's going to change automatically. Yeah. Um, so I do feel that a lot of people's problems with Shenmue 3, some of them anyway, would be mitigated to some degree. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I would agree. I mean, Shenmue 3 is also a symptom of, of a very different development environment to the originals. For yeah, sure. Was, and I think yeah. a lot of people's problems with Shenmue 3, they're not they're not as much with the story. They're more with the fact that they were playing a game that felt like a 20 year old game when it was now. And it's like, yeah, well it was made by five people, you know, like <laughs> yeah. so it, it's like, it, it comes from a place of comparing it to the previous games. And when they were young, when they play those games and like, you know, it's a whole different 
thing now. So I like, I get why people have that cognitive dissonance, but I personally really like Shenmue three and I, I don't necessarily have the issues other people have with, with it. That's fair. And the other half of a potential second season, obviously you're going beyond the game material for what, and for want of a better expression. And I know there's the whole game of Thrones thing where it's gone ahead of the source material. Right. Is that something that's in the back of your mind and sort of going into what would be Shenmue four, potentially Shenmue five? Very much because my, my feeling would be, my feeling would be that uh, if you did a second season, it would have to end in a way that, wasn't necessarily a definitive ending, but did not feel like a total cliffhanger because who knows, like look at the journey we took to get to season one yeah. and look at where we are right now, not knowing the future, the future of season two. If a season two is able to be made, you have to look at it. Like we don't know if we're going to get to make any more. So this yeah. has to be a fairly definitive statement. So what I would say as a producer, because I'm a producer, not a writer, not a director is I would say we got to give the audience a sense of closure, even if it's not the end of the story. It has to feel like the end of a major chapter. Yeah. So that if there's no more Shenmue TV shows, you could sit down and watch these two seasons and feel like you had gone on a journey with these characters that ended in a satisfying way. Yeah. So that's kind of what my, that's what I would say to the writers and to Suzuki is what can we do? in this time with these episodes to wrap this up in a satisfying way, even if it's not finishing the story and wrapping up everything in neat little bows. Um, and that would be their challenge. And that's going to be a big challenge because I think Suzuki thinks in really broad strokes, you know, I have 40 yeah. hours to tell my story. Yeah. <laughs> and instead he's got three, you know, <laughs> three hours. It's a big, um, big, big difference, isn't it? From 30 hour game to, yeah, three, yeah, four hours I mean, anime. I, I feel like you owe it to the audience and you owe it to Shenmue fans because we don't know if there's going to be another Shenmue game. We hope. We don't know. We have no idea. Uh, I have no idea. Same. <laughs> you know, Sega has no idea, probably. Like, we just don't know. So, so we kind of owe it to the audience to try to finish some aspect of this story as best we can. And I know Suzuki probably wants to just leave everything as a cliffhanger and <laughs> so that people keep coming back to him and want to know what the next yeah, thing is. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <clears throat> but I, as a producer, would want an audience to feel like they had a meal. You yeah. Know, and, and, and it's over and they can rewatch it or they can go play the games, but they weren't left like, oh, what happens now? You know? Now, okay, as a follow-up to that then, would you prefer it if a fourth game came out and then a second season? Would that make more sense or is that is does it not really matter to you guys? I mean, it, it makes more sense, I think, for sure. Um, but, and, and honestly, a, the TV show got made after 20 years, so you could make another season of this show six years from now. Yeah. It's just, it's just difficult um, to get money to do that. <laughs> yeah, of course. The farther we get from the original season premiering, the lower the chances get of being able to make a sequel because it's so hard to convince your company that three years from now, we're going to put out a, a second season. And it's going to go boom. Cause we had this first season, you know, it's a very hard. So that's the challenge, uh, at least on my end in the world of streaming and yeah. everything's so immediate, you know, no one wants to wait. Nowadays, people wait for like, 
you know, a year or two for a season of a show and they're like, oh my God, it's been forever. And it's like, well, you know, they had to make it, you know, it takes time to make it. Um, I think modern audiences are, are getting used to not having to wait. Yeah. And so they really have a hard time and they, they the things just fall out of them. You know, they stop thinking about a thing that hasn't been talked about. So and yeah. it's fair, you know. Yeah. And when you've got a massive content coming at you from all angles, it's quite easy for it to get lost in the shuffle, isn't it? For sure. I mean, it's it's the world we live in. We all deal with it. You know, you only have so much space in your head for uh, this stuff. Yeah. You know, it, 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 there's, and there's so much of it coming at you all day, every day. So, mm. well, we will have everything crossed and we will make as much noise as we can. Believe me. <laughs> I appreciate it. Please do. Oh, we will. Don't you worry about that. Um, I'm just aware of the time and we're getting near, yeah. near the hour. Of course, I've got two more questions and one I, I absolutely have to ask is, is about the voice casting. Mm. Um, I think some Shenmue fans are quite attached to the original game voice yes. cast was it sort of an active decision early on to recast the english and give it sort of his own feel its own edge to make it stand like like the soundtrack to help it stand on its own two feet yes i mean so it was definitely discussed early on we knew that the original voice cast was beloved by a certain segment of fan we also knew that standards for dubbing 20 years ago were quite different than now yeah so no disrespect to any of those actors for their performances. But we also didn't want to, you know, the original actors have aged 20 years. Rio's still supposed to be a kid. Like yeah. we just, didn't, we didn't want to be trapped in a level of fidelity to the source material to where it felt like it was trapped in amber. And like, mm-hmm. we're literally recreating the exact scene with the exact actor, with the exact line yeah. reading, the exact music. Yeah. It's like, if you want that, you play the game yeah. like this is an adaptation. So it was a decision like the music to say, well, we obviously d- we want to do those performances justice. We're not going to cast people that sound crazily different and we're going to use it as a blueprint, but we are not going to try to replicate those performances note for note. And we're not going to use those actors because we want this to be our adaptation of, of, of Shenmue. And I saw people, and I knew that would happen. I saw mm. people complaining about it. And to those people, I say, play the game again. <laughs> it's all right there. It's not gone anywhere. You know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like our cast did a really good job and did every and did their characters justice and took it very seriously. And I'm sorry for the original actors that they didn't get the opportunity to reprise these characters but they're actors too and i'm sure they understand it's the business you know it goes with the territory doesn't it Um, yeah unless you're luke skywalker they're not calling you back 20 years later to play the same character yeah of course and from speaking to several of the voice casts through through these interview segments that i've done that's the one thing that stood out was the professionalism and how serious they took not just the role but i think wanting to come across to Shenmue fans as I want to do a good job with this. I'm, yeah, I, I'm being really, really respectful of this community and the source material. And I want to do an, an amazing job. And they did quite honestly. For sure. For sure. That's how everybody approached it from the actors and everybody else, everyone involved. Yeah, for sure. Right. As we're getting to sort of the top of the hour and I know you're, you're a very busy man. And I appreciate you, Jason, for taking the time to join me on, on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, I do this with everybody uh, as a sort of a round off. Do you have a final message for the Shenmue community? 
uh, my final message to the Shenmue community would just be thank you for your passion. Your passion kept this franchise alive. It got a third game out. It it allowed Suzuki to continue being involved with this anime and made this anime possible. You literally that fandom made this anime possible because it was one of the major things that I told my network. You don't understand how passionate these fans are. And thank you for watching the show and talking about it and being honest with your reactions and your reflections. We felt the love and it really makes us want to do a second season. If it's at all possible, that's what we're going to do. Fantastic. Jason, all that remains for me to say is thank you for joining me on the Dojo interview today. It's been an absolute honor um, and we'll be working with you to get that second season by hook or crook. We'll get there. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. So did I. Thank you, Jason. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening.